And I love that you're talking about on this podcast, that place in the middle, because we don't have a roadmap for that either. So when we're stuck, we think we have to know what we're going to do next. What's the next? I must need to make a big change in my life. And I don't know what that looks like. And there's not enough conversation about how long that takes or what little steps are in the middle or how just completely confusing and confounding and terrifying the whole thing can be. And it can be really hard to sit in that space by yourself and to make sense of it. If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential, but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life, but it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey, and that's what you're gonna get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm your host, Becky Fleischer, coming off of a wonderful weekend in beautiful upstate New York, where I got to spend some time with friends at a wine bar that honestly is crushing it in the COVID reality. Actually, I don't know how they're doing financially, but from a patron's point of view, I am in absolute awe of how they have worked with the safety protocols and the limited capacity rules and have created an experience that I'm not sure they would have dreamed up if they weren't forced to. But now it's turned into such a great thing that they're gonna keep it going even when things go back to normal, quote normal, who knows what that's gonna look like, but I think they're gonna keep it because it is really just so awesome. So the owner of this wine bar created this shabby chic outdoor alpine environment under a tent with individual seating areas, cozy blankets, and fire pits for your own personal little COVID pod. And it's so amazing. You're outside, so it's safe. There's plenty of airflow. It's crisp, but it's not too cold. You've got your little fire pit. And honestly, you kind of feel like you've been transported to some small European ski village. So I'm bringing that up because at one point in the evening, my friend stopped the conversation and he was teasing me a little bit about being particularly matter of fact about something, maybe a few things (laughs) that night. And it really it really actually didn't make me feel bad or self-conscious at all, which honestly, a few years ago, a comment like that or someone kind of pointing that out to me a few years ago might have made me stop and really question about what I was saying. Was it appropriate? No, did I hurt his feelings? And it might have sent me into a lot of self-doubt. And I think there are two reasons why it didn't phase me the other night. First off, I think it's because I really don't think he meant it in a way that was intended to make me feel bad at all. He was really just noting it as something that perhaps maybe he hadn't picked up on before, but that he was seeing as a strong part of my personality. And I have been told that before, that I have a little bit of a Midwestern matter-of-factness that I just blurt out sometimes. So that is definitely part of my personality. So it was my interpretation of his delivery, which I was okay with. In the past, again, I may have even questioned my interpretation. I would have thought, oh, maybe he really did mean something else. I could have spun myself out. But anyway, the second reason why it didn't bother me was because in that moment when I was deciding on how to interpret what he was saying, I realized that whether he meant it as an innocent observation or as some kind of backhanded way of saying he didn't like that particular aspect of my personality, it didn't matter to me. (laughs) It just didn't matter. I was being myself. 
I was bringing my whole personality to a conversation with a group of friends. The topics weren't taboo. They weren't sensitive. They were fun. They were lighthearted. So it wasn't the ground where you need to step with more care. I was just flowing. And I'm bringing this up because in today's show, we talk a lot about the power of noticing. Simply noticing something doesn't always feel like the biggest deal, but it's one of the first actions we take on this journey of becoming. And I would argue that without it, we probably wouldn't go on this journey at all. Because if you don't notice the whispers from your soul or the hundreds of ways the universe is gently nudging you towards change, then you either don't get the opportunity to accept the invitation or you don't have to consider the invitation at all because you haven't allowed yourself to take note. And I really want to make the distinction between the opportunity to accept the invitation and the choice to consider the invitation because noticing pulls on our level of awareness and our willingness to be aware. You have to be a willing participant on this. Now, I'm going to pop out a phrase in Latin with the hope that I don't totally butcher it, and I'm scared to death I'm going to. (laughs) It's one of those things like when you read it, you're like, oh, yeah, I understand how that should be pronounced. And then when you have to go say it, maybe it doesn't roll the way that it should. So I'm going to give this a roll. I have read this several times, and I really wanted to try to present it to you. And since this is a podcast, I have to actually say it. So here we go. Quid quid recipitur ad modem recipientis recipitur, which means whatever is received is received according to the manner of the receiver. Now that phrase dates back at least to the 13th century and maybe even before. And just think of whoever came up with it that long ago and how ahead of their time they were. Because it feels like individually and collectively as a society, we're only just starting to understand the psychology behind these words. How we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. And it's this very concept that makes me so grateful for that experience at the wine bar last weekend. I noticed that it happened. Clearly, I noticed, or I wouldn't be talking to you about it today. And I'm grateful for the awareness because it highlighted to me just how far I've come on my own journey. And you guys, we all need to celebrate those milestones. Noticing is an essential first step, but it's also a necessary companion as we continue on our path of becoming. And as we talk about so often on this show, that invitation to expansion, to soul growth, it comes in so many different forms. But one thread of consistency is that it's usually so subtle and so quiet that we often miss the cues which is why we are so lucky that today's guest is here to help us take notice. Jen Oglesby is a life coach and a licensed clinical social worker who helps people let go of the shoulds and release the need to please so that they can reclaim their freedom and joy. She works with women who are exhausted with being all things to all people and who are ready to come back home to themselves. After a 15-year career in social work, Jen followed her soul song and created a side hustle to start her own business as a life coach. She has since left her full-time job to focus solely on her coaching practice, where she's created a 12-week one-on-one coaching framework that helps people connect with their inner wisdom, learn how to live by their own rules, release the worry and the guilt, and welcome in more joy and ease. Yes, please. Let's jump right into our conversation. Jen Oglesby, welcome to Unleash Your Soul Song. I am so happy that you are here with us today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Absolutely. I was so excited to connect with you because we share a common interest in discernment and specifically how we discern from our essential self, you know, our core desires, our inner wisdom from our social self, you know, the, those rules we've internalized from our culture, from our faith backgrounds, our desire to please or belong. So I know you and I explore this a lot about pulling these two aspects of ourselves, kind of pulling them apart and really getting in tune with our inner wisdom, our highest wisdom. And I think, you know, for this show, I think it's something that's really imperative for unleashing your soul song into the world. And 
really putting your gifts out there in a really powerful and meaningful way. So I am so excited to talk to you about how you landed where you are right now as a life coach, what that even means and what you do to help people through this discernment process. But before we jump into that, I would love to hear a bit about your own personal journey and your own experience of getting you know, liberated from your social self and kind of settled into your essential self a little more. So could you tell us a little bit about what that looked like for you? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. So it started for me, the shift actually started a few years ago. And I think the tipping point for me was I was approaching my 40th birthday. And there was something about that milestone that got me asking a lot of questions. So it wasn't It wasn't a midlife crisis, but it was an assessment point. It forced me to pay a little bit more attention and to just take stock of what was important to me in my life and, you know, how I, how I wanted to spend my time. And one of the things that I started to notice was all the areas in my life where I was trying to be the good girl. So even at 39 years old, I was trying to get the A plus, be the good student, get people's approval. I wanted to check all the boxes, know that I was, you know, doing and being all the right things. And I had always sort of been that person who was the rule follower, the dependable and responsible one. Um, And I knew that was coming at a cost. So there were a lot of areas in my life where I felt like I was pretending or I felt like I was pushing aside my own needs and desires and I wasn't really being true to my values and the things that were really important to me. I felt very trapped by all the things I thought I should be doing. And it was making me feel really drained and feel resentful. And I was putting a lot of my time and energy into things that I knew weren't going to matter to me in the end. And so as I came up to my 40th birthday, the question that I remember asking myself was, how much longer are you going to keep doing this? Like, if you're lucky enough to have another 40 or 50 years, is this how you want to spend your time? And what really was underneath that question is a question that's become so important in my life. And I think that's probably important to a lot of us, which is, what am I doing for other people to please others, to follow expectations? And what am I doing to please myself and for my own happiness and my own well-being And how do I know the difference? How do I learn how to listen to myself? And how do I have the courage to bring that forth in my life? And so at that point, I really didn't have the answers, but I started asking a lot of questions and I started doing a lot of noticing, just noticing where I felt out of alignment, where I felt I wasn't being true. There's so much power in just noticing and asking the questions. And I didn't start with any big changes in my life. This was not an overnight, I'm going to go out and live my truth. I just started noticing the sheds and I started practicing where I could say no. I started practicing even the littlest things like okay, I'm picking out an outfit this morning. Is this like what I really want to wear or just what I've gotten used to wearing or what I think I should wear? It became a series of conversations that I was having with myself where I would notice when I told myself should. I would notice when I felt like I was saying yes to things that I really didn't want to. And I didn't even necessarily do anything about it at the time. In the beginning, it was simply a noticing. And then Over time, I sort of became able to take action in these little ways in my life where I would say yes when I was um, approached about something I was really excited about, and I would say no when a volunteer opportunity came to me and I knew I was overcommitted. And I also set out to practice being brave. I used to think of courage as a almost a personality trait, like some people are brave and some people aren't. And I'm not one of those people. And so I thought, well, what could I do to just practice being brave and just decide that I'm brave? What does that look like for me? And I started seeking out things that felt scary to me, and they would not seem like big things to other people, but they felt really big to me. So for my 40th birthday, I decided I'm going to go on a treetop adventure and go ziplining because I've always been terrified of heights. And if I can just do this thing, That's one thing that I thought I couldn't do, and now I know I can do it. 
So it was these series of little things over time. And this was probably over the course of a year or two, all this noticing, making little changes in my life, trying to shift those messages in my brain about who I was, that I could be a brave person and that I could make courageous choices, even though on the outside, it probably didn't look that different to other people. These were not huge sweeping changes in my life. That sounds so similar to so many other people's processes that I've heard. It's wonderful. You laid it out so beautifully. And I love that you just said it took you one or two years that you went through this. And not that a lot of people noticed it. This was an internal job. But the pattern seems to be pretty similar for people that it starts with a question. You know, you ask yourself a question. For me, my question was, if you could do anything in this world, if you could do anything without thinking about the outcome, without needing to know that you're going to succeed or that there's going to have some big outcome attached to it, what would it be? Mm. And I loved your question of, you know, how much longer are you going to keep doing this? So those questions are so powerful and they can be scary to ask. Yes, very scary. And and all of this felt so scary. I mean, yeah. even the littlest things felt so scary. And of course, in my mind, it was, what is everyone going to think? And mm-hmm. are people going to notice? And honestly, I don't know that anyone even noticed. You know, so much <laughs> of it was in my head. Like, do I really think people are paying that much attention to, I don't know, what I wear or what I say or what I do. But we get all these voices in our heads telling us that everyone's looking, everyone's noticing, even though we can never actually say who everyone is. Um, and so, yeah, so it started with a question, and I, and I love your question about what would I do if I didn't know the outcome, because that was sort of where I went next. Once I started doing these little changes in my life, the next question that just became impossible for me to ignore was my career. So I had been a social worker for about 15 years at that time, and I had never been able to make it work. I knew something wasn't right. I kept changing jobs all the time, thinking that the next one would be the right one. I was never satisfied, but I just put my head in the sand about it because I had no idea what else I wanted to do. And how it all started for me, again, was a question. I just decided, okay, what if I just give myself permission to stop trying to make this work and just see what else is out there? So I kept my day job. I was still doing it day to day, but it was just allowing myself to notice what else might be out there for me and give myself permission to explore. So that was the next step in my journey. And that's when some of these bigger changes in my life started to happen. And the first thing that I did that I started to notice when I started paying attention was I started noticing who I was envious of. And we think of envy and jealousy as bad emotions, but they're so good at telling us what we want. And what I kept noticing is how envious I was of people I knew in my life who had their own businesses. And that was something that I had toyed with for a long time, wanting to work for myself. But the piece that was missing was I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, And it was, it kind of cracks me up because it seemed so silly, like, okay, so I can see that this is something that I'm feeling pulled to, you know, it honors the parts of me that want to create something. I think I have the personal qualities that it takes to do this. And I have no idea what I actually want my business to be about. And that feels a little bit silly. But I think what's interesting to me about it now, looking back is, we think things should come to us in a logical order. We want all the pieces of the puzzle right away. Yes. And what I'm realizing now is that was one piece of the puzzle and it made no sense to me. And I couldn't even tell people out loud that I wanted to do that because the next question would be, well, what do you want to do? And I would have said, I don't know. And I would have felt ridiculous, but I gave myself permission to just note that for myself. And I didn't know what to do with it. I just was like, okay, I can see that that's something I feel pulled toward. I'm just going to tuck that in my back pocket. It just sort of was brewing in the background. Okay, that's one piece of information that I have. 
Let me just keep noticing. Let me keep exploring. And so about six months after that, I, I met someone. Um, she's a dear friend of mine now. She's also a, my coach and my mentor. And when she introduced herself to me and she said, I'm a life coach, I kid you not, my stomach flipped. My entire body just perked up in attention. And to me, it reminds me of that feeling people describe like when they first met their partner or when you meet somebody that you just know is going to be a friend for life. I didn't even know what life coaching was. I had heard of it before. I think I had maybe been a little intrigued by it, but I thought like Oprah has a life coach. <laughs> Celebrities have a life coach. Mm -hmm. I didn't think this was something for mere mortals and not something <laughs> for, you know, for me to consider. But I couldn't, again, it was just a piece of information. Um, I had this kind of humming energy in my body that said, pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. And in retrospect, again, I can look back now and see that my body was giving me clues. And this is one of the biggest things that I've learned and that I work with my clients on is how our bodies give us information and give us truth that our brains aren't ready to digest yet. And so my body said yes. I was like, yes, Jen, hello, ding, 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 ding. But of course, my brain said, um... I don't even know what the hell life coaching is. I can't go do my own thing. I have a I have a family. I need a salary. I need benefits, all these things. Thank you very much. And again, I just tabled it. And that was more, I think, less needing information and more just all of my fears and um, all my inner critic voices coming up. So I took it. I developed a friendship with this person who's a coach that I had met, but I didn't take it any further than that. And so again, I'm just collecting all these pieces of the puzzle. And then fast forward again a few months later. And at that point, I really had just reached the breaking point where I knew I needed a change in my work. I felt so drained. And it's interesting when you start showing up in more authentic ways in little parts of your life, it gets harder and harder to pretend anywhere else. Oh, yes. Yes. And so I just got to the point where I couldn't pretend anymore that I had gotten so accustomed to getting in touch with my truth and making sure that shows up in my life and trying to be brave about it. I just couldn't ignore anymore that professionally I was in the wrong place and I knew that there was something bigger that I needed to step into. And so I circled back to my friend and I set up a call with her just to talk to her about life coaching. And again, as we were having the conversation, there's this, there's this buzzing in my body and it wasn't all good. It was, it was scary too. <laughs> you know, it's, there's this idea that, oh, if you follow what feels good. And I like to think of it as you follow what feels right or you follow what feels mm -hmm. true because it, it felt right and it felt true and it felt scary at the same time. Um, but she told me more about life coaching, you know, told me some programs I could look into. And I took a look at Martha Beck's Wayfinder Life Coach Training, which is the training that I ended up um, registering for and completing. And from the moment I spent 15 minutes on the website, I, I mean, my body was freaking out. It, I could feel my chest pulling me forward. There was no way to ignore it. And I just in that moment said, okay, I just gave in. I just gave myself permission to listen to that pull and to trust it and to say, okay, it is so unmistakable for me that I am being pulled in this direction. I don't understand how this is going to work, what it's going to look like, what the next step is going to be, but I'm just going to trust this voice, trust this pull, and just give myself over to that. That's amazing. I love that. Thank you. And it was so different than any way I've ever thought about approaching something in my life before. I've always thought my way through a problem. And I just thought, I'm going to listen with my body. And from there, it was, it was like a train that just went into motion. And I just had to get on board. That's amazing. And so I feel it. I, I totally feel what you're saying and how hard it is for people to follow that body knowing that that whisper, you know, we call them on the show, you know, whispers from your soul that keep telling you there's something more, there's something not quite right here. There's, 
you know, and you just laid out the whole process so beautifully of following that intuition that's telling you, you know, my job, this isn't quite right. Why can't I quite get into a groove here? And allowing yourself to sit in that space of the questions for that long. It's not a small shift, but it happens through small actions. Just like you said, it's the small little things that keep leading to the next thing that keep leading to the next thing. And I love that you said, there's no logical order. You, we all want it to be so logical and we want all these steps to be laid out for us. There is a pattern that typically flows when people go through a big shift like this, but the pieces for your own puzzle don't come together with a nice little border all put together and then, you know, all the pieces kind of flow. It's like a total scattershot of a puzzle, right? Where you just have mm-hmm. to wait. And that waiting is so, so hard. And I love, I love that you talked about feeling it through your body and not going with the way you always have, which is to think your way through. It's hard for people to trust that. So tell us a little bit more about life coaching, speaking of, you know, not being able to trust those feelings and how life coaching can help people. Because I'm like you, I really never understood the field until this past year when I started taking that Tara Moore class on playing big. And she did a nice little orientation at the beginning about life coaching and what it is. I really didn't understand it. And I look back on what I've been through in the last several years and I thought, oh man, (laughs) I wish I had known what that was back then because I could have gotten through this a lot faster (laughs) Mm. had I had a coach to kind of help me through. I think a lot of people might equate the two things. And I, I think I did a little bit in my head as well. So, you know, when we go through these shifts, these life shifts, they don't feel like something that requires therapy because you're not working through any trauma, perhaps, you know, maybe you are, but perhaps you're not. So it doesn't feel like you need therapy, but I think a lot of people default to that. So could you walk us through what's the difference between the two and what do life coaches do that's maybe a little bit different than therapists? Sure. Yeah. I love to talk about that. And amen. I wish I had known about life coaching too. I, it really is the thing that propelled everything forward in my life in the last year. And I I want more people to know about it. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about that. So I will give you my definition of life coaching because life coaching is like therapists. If you ask 100 therapists what is therapy, you'll get 100 different answers. The same is true for life coaching. So, um, But there are some distinct differences, particularly between you know life coaching and therapy. So I will give you my perspective on that. So I'll start with what life coaching is not, which is it is not therapy. Um, and so you know I'm a life coach. I'm also a licensed clinical social worker. And I think the difference between therapy and life coaching is an important one. And I know that it's often a point of confusion. So therapy is often about processing past experiences. So understanding our emotions and patterns of behavior and bringing about change by helping us understand why we do the things we do or why we think the things we think by looking at the past. Life coaching tends to be more present and future oriented. So you know, we might take a brief look at where some of our beliefs and thoughts come from. You know, we certainly are going to hold space for emotions and honor those, but we don't stay there and we don't explore that to the same extent that you would in therapy. Because of that, life coaching is not a place, like you said, for working through trauma, for dealing with a crisis, for getting support with things like significant anxiety or depression. You know, those are things that should be handled by a licensed therapist. A life coach is good for people who are feeling stuck, who know they want to make a change, but they don't know what that looks like. A lot of people who come to life coaching, it just feels like something is missing or something is wrong. They often can't put their finger on it, but it's clear that like something in their life is out of sorts and it's not a crisis, but they need some support and they need that container to work through that. And a lot of people, including uh, the majority of my clients, either have been in therapy before or are engaged in therapy while they're doing life coaching. So they actually can be really good complements to each other. So that's the first thing is knowing when you need to see a therapist. And a good life coach, you know, we're trained to 
know when we need to refer people to therapy. So when we're doing intakes with people or we're doing initial calls, consultation calls, you know, we're paying attention for those things so that we can make those referrals if appropriate. So that's one thing. Life coaching is not therapy. The other thing that I think is important to know is life coaching is not giving advice. So you are the expert on your own life. My job as a coach is to create a safe and you know, compassionate space for you to access your own wisdom, to give you tools that will help you understand what's blocking you from bringing forth those truths into your life. And my own version of life coaching is largely focused on what Martha Beck refers to as the social self and the essential self, which is a lot of what we've been talking about. So the essential self is the core of who we are. It's our inherent personality, our deepest desires. It's who we would be no matter where we lived or what family we were born into, you know, that core of who we are. And I like to think of the essential self as, you know, those parts of us that were most alive when we were three years old, when we were joyfully exploring and following our curiosity. We weren't worried about making mistakes or what other people think. Our intuition and our inner wisdom are connected to our essential selves. The social self is that part of us that responds to social pressures and expectations. It's the part of us that wants to belong, that adheres to social norms, that um, receives the messages that we take in from our culture, from our parents and the people in our lives where we're trying to meet those expectations. The social self is not inherently a bad thing. You know, we are wired to belong. That's good for us in so many ways. Where it becomes problematic is when it comes into conflict with our essential self. So when that happens, that's when we can get trapped by people pleasing. We can start feeling chained to the things that we should do. Mm -hmm. Um, We're listening to the inner critic in our heads that tells us that we aren't good enough and we should just stay in our place. Um, We get drained, we get resentful, we get stressed, and we feel kind of lost. So what I do in my coaching practice, and I think this is true for a a lot of just life coaching in general, is, you know, how we honor and express our essential self in our lives. So how do we show up as who we truly are, even in the face of all these social pressures? How do we tease apart what's important to us versus what we're doing to please other people? And what does it look like to give ourselves permission to bring our essential self give it expression in our everyday lives, and how can that create more freedom and joy for us? And so in my practice, I have a number of tools that I use, as all coaches do, to practice this. Some of these are tools, again, working with our bodies as a source of wisdom. I just think this is so critical, and we do not have any training as a culture Mm -hmm. and how to do this. That is not part of our narrative. No. And when you know how to do that. (laughs) It's like, how did I not know this? Who didn't tell me? How Mm -hmm. how has this been lost? Because it changes everything. So how do we connect with our bodies as a source of wisdom? How can we re-examine our thoughts and our belief patterns that we've inherited or that we've sort of patched together from the experiences that we've had? And how are they impacting our perspective and our behavior? And then I use a lot of powerful questions, tools, visualizations to help my clients really get to their truth and to map out a plan for, okay, this is what's true for you. And now the important piece, what is it going to look like in your life? And not what's it going to look like in your life in five years? What is it going to look like today? Mm -hmm. What is it going to look like tomorrow? And like I said, that might be the smallest step. But when you start taking those little steps on the path, even if you don't know where the path is going, the path will start to unfold before you. Yes. You just have to start. And that is what I help my clients do. And that is what life coaching can do. That's great. Uh, That was such a great explanation of it. And again, I'm sitting here even as you were talking and I was still thinking, man, I'm still so, so upset I didn't know about this a couple of years ago (laughs) because it really can move you through. That's the thing that is so powerful about it. There are real tools. That's what I have found has been the things that move you forward so quickly. And you're so surprised. The shifts, they seem so small, but they add up to be so consequential and really just helping you break through. And I love that you said it's for people who feel stuck. 
I think Mm -hmm. so many people listening to this show feel stuck and they just don't know how to pull out. They just don't know how to get the wheels turning again. And these are people who have had very productive and, you know, their lives were really kind of rolling before, at least it felt like it was rolling. And then they kind of hit this spot where it was like, wait, all of a sudden, I'm not feeling it anymore. Things aren't jiving the way that they used to. And all of a sudden, I'm asking these questions and I'm starting to look at things differently and it feels scary. Like you said, it's so scary to go into this space of exploration. It is. Really is. And I love the fact you kept using the word permission. You gave yourself Mm. permission to explore and just notice. Just notice. No pressure, yes. no pressure to do, no pressure to make mm-hmm. any major things, but just start to notice. And that in and of itself is huge. Yes. And I love that you're talking about on this podcast, that place in the middle, because we don't have a roadmap for that either. So no. when we're stuck, we think we have to know what we're going to do next. Mm-hmm. What's the next? I must need to make a big change in my life. And I don't know what that looks like. And there's not enough conversation about how long that takes or what little steps are in the middle or how just completely confusing and confounding and terrifying the whole thing can be. And it can be really hard to sit in that space by yourself and Mm -hmm. to make sense of it. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think life coaching can be such a good support and, and how it's been so helpful in my life is just helping me be in the messy middle and still trust that I'm moving forward on the path and piece by piece what that looks like and knowing that you don't have to know where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. That by following that wisdom, you'll get there. Yeah. And you almost need someone to give you permission to say, you don't actually need to know where this is going. You can still explore it's not going to blow your life up to explore. It's not going to, you know, totally change everything in your life to turn your head three degrees out of curiosity of what's over there and what you might want to look at differently. It's a great process. And I think the other thing that you touched on that can be a little confusing for people, and I, and I don't mean this in a negative way, because I certainly, as I went through my own process, I listened to a ton of podcasts. And clearly, I love podcasts because I started my own podcast. But one of the things I started noticing with the podcast that I was listening to, you know, the the industry of life coaching is not a regulated industry. Mm-hmm. So anyone can call themselves a coach. They can call themselves a business coach, a life coach, you know, fill in the blank. You could call yourself any coach you want to without any kind of formal training. I know you said you you did receive formal training, and I think that that's important because there are tools that go along with this. But what I think can be confusing for people who might listen to other shows is when they hear these coaching calls and listen, I love to listen to these podcasts that people do this and hearing these coaching calls and things that they do, but they're not really coaching. They're consulting, which is maybe exactly what that person needs. You know, they may be in their business at a point where they need a little consulting advice of what do I do? Or they just need a little rah, rah, cheer, you know, keep going girl kind of thing, which is great. But that's not life coaching. It's not consulting. And I like that you pointed out that you're not telling people what to do, because I think that you'll only get stuck again if you end up doing something that someone else tells you to do. Like if you start to share with someone, well, I have this little bit of an idea that I want to start a business and not really sure what it would be about. But, you know, a good consultant can sit there and brainstorm 10 different businesses for you and think about how you might monetize them and put them out into the world. And, you know, those all might be 10 possible viable businesses. But for you to figure out which one is right for you requires that inner, that deeper inner work, that really good life coaches who've been trained and who have the tools can pull you through that process. And they're not telling you what you should do. I, I think that's the most empowering part. You really come out of the other side with such a sense of self and groundedness and rootedness into your truth that the wind can come blowing and you're going to be fine. You can sway with it. And I, I think that's really a good, powerful thing about coaching that's very different from consulting. Yes. And I appreciate that you mentioned that because it is confusing and it isn't regulated. And 
there are so many people calling themselves life coaches where I would take issue with what they're doing Mm -hmm. is life coaching. It's especially that advice giving piece. If I'm giving you advice, I am not doing my job because my job is to get everybody else's noise out of the way. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm adding to the noise, I'm not helping you at all. But I like how you just said it's your job is to help clear the noise. I think a lot of people who are sitting in this messy middle, right, in between the now and the not yet, it is so noisy. It is, like you said, it's so confusing and disorienting and noisy. And it's so hard. You, you, you know, I know for me, I could not absorb enough information. I was just trying to gobble up every bit of information I could find to try to help me find my way. Mm-hmm. And in some ways that was very helpful. In some ways you get very sidetracked. You can get very sidetracked and you get pulled down all these different paths. And without those tools, this is why I was saying life coaching would have moved me along so much faster, just so much faster, because it would have helped me quiet out all the noise and just really pull in deeper to myself and what it is that I'm after and what what it is that I'm looking for. So can you tell us what are some of the tools that you use to help people you know, kind of get into their bodies more? Because I've been talking more on in this season about getting out of the head and really pulling down into the heart and, you know, into that somatic senses. How do you start to do that? I've been doing it myself through this vocal meditation work that's really pulling me into my body, which in a really beautiful and solid way. And I'm just curious, what tools do you use to really help people get there? Sure. Yeah. So I'd love to just give a quick overview of some of the tools that I use, and then I'd love to talk you and your listeners in detail through one more that I love in particular about this uh, connection with the body. Great. And one of the things that I love about life coaching too is this is a toolbox. So a good life coach will give you tools that you can take and use. You know, you're not going to be dependent on a life coach for years and years and years. When you learn how to use these tools, you can take them and use them yourself. Investing in life coaching, you're going to learn tools that you can take with you for life. And also, Jen, I wanted to say really quickly, another thing that's great is you're not their cheerleader. No. You're not their cheerleader. Now, you are a supporter, but yes. but it's it's not this false, fluffy, you know, I, I joke about I don't like affirmations because it's like the world screaming at you that you're fine <laughs> when you're maybe not fine. So I like that about life coaching. It's it's not cheerleading. It's providing you that toolbox. So I'm, I love that you just said that because you really do walk away with tools. So take us through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will celebrate with you, but I am not here to just platitude you to death in the corner. Like I I don't think cheerleading is the most effective way for us to move forward. So some of the tools that I use um, with my clients are the things that they learn. So we, we work with how to manage your inner critic. So all that noise, all those voices, they're never going to go away. We're not trying to shut them out completely. But how do we turn down the volume enough so that they aren't driving the core of our lives? So we're going to figure out a way. We're going to use some tools to get them in the backseat. So we know they're there. They're always going to be a part of us. But how do we keep moving forward? So that's one of the things that we work on. Another thing that we talked about a lot is just how do you connect with your intuition? How do you connect with your inner wisdom? In a coaching session, that's a lot of questions that I ask. So a coaching session is a lot of questions, a lot of powerful questions that help you dig through all those layers and get connected with your inner wisdom. Something else that we look at is what are the thoughts and the stories that we're telling ourselves that might be creating suffering in our lives or keeping us stuck? And how can we replace them with more helpful beliefs and thought patterns? So our brain looks for evidence that what we tell ourselves is true. So this is, you know, confirmation bias. We see it and hear about it a lot in politics, but it's true in all areas of our life. So what we tell our brains, Mm -hmm. what story we're telling ourselves, we're going to look for that to be true. And that's not just woo-woo fluff. That's actually neuroscience. And so What's a different story that we can tell our brains to help change the actions that we take? One of the things I work with on my clients a lot is how to practice courage, because it it takes a lot of courage to go against societal norms, to live in alignment with our truest selves. So what does that look like? How do we flex our courage muscles in our day-to-day lives? And then 
One of the biggest pieces and my favorite coaching tool is how to use your body as a tool to guide you. And the one that I use the most and that I'd love to tell you more a little about is uh, Martha Beck's tool called the Body Compass. I'm going to give a, a simplified version here. But the key is to pay attention to how your body feels in response to a given situation or when you're trying to make a decision. And again, we aren't used to doing this. When we're trying to make a decision, we talk to a friend, we make a pros and cons list, you know, we go do some research, we go into our heads, maybe even go into our emotions. But we often don't check in with our bodies. And a lot of times we can get clearer, faster answers if we can do that. So this is sort of what that what that looks like. When we're following a should, when we're kind of being guided by our social self, if we stop and pay attention to the sensations in our bodies. So let's say we get an invitation to a party. Remember those parties? Yeah. <laughs> but we get an invitation to a party and we say yes even though we maybe don't really want to go and we just feel obligated. If you close your eyes and just take a minute to check in with your body when you're checking that yes, when you want to say no, what you're probably going to feel, what most people feel, and again, it's going to look a little different for everybody. Your body is going to feel constricted in some way. You might feel a tightness in your chest, some tension in your shoulders, maybe some tightness around your throat. It's the sensation that our torso is sort of recoiling into itself and retreating. So that's sort of the constricted feeling. On the flip side, when we're taking action that's aligned with our true desires, with our essential self, when we're honoring our needs, then sensation in our bodies usually feels some version of free. So usually when we're feeling content and peaceful or when we're moving towards something that feels really true for us, we can feel our chests sort of opening up. We can breathe a little bit easier. We feel that expansiveness. Mm -hmm. So part of what you can do, and, and I always, for this tool, you always want to start small. So this is not, let me use this to decide if I'm going to move across the country or take a job. That's not where you want to start. But you can start to pay attention to how your body feels in response to some of the things that you're doing in your life and some of the choices that you're making. So for example, you know, I have a free hour. I have a miracle free hour today. How do I want to spend my time? Oh, do I want to read a book? Do I want to take a walk? Do I want to take a bath? Okay. Normally we would think through or just kind of pick one and roll with it. But if you want to take a moment to check in with like, what do I really need right now? You can take a minute. Okay, I'm going to picture myself in that bath. What does it feel like? Um, you know, what, what am I going to hear? What am I going to see? What sensations am I going to feel? Put yourself in that situation as though you're watching a movie of it. And then pay attention to how your body feels. Do I feel that constricted feeling or do I feel that free feeling? And then next situation, reading a book. Next situation, taking a walk. What do all those feel like? Or when you get the invitation, am I going to say yes or am I going to say no? Well, okay, let me imagine saying yes. And again, this is not about checking in with our thoughts or our feelings. It's checking in with our bodies. How do our bodies feel? And you can just start using this with the littlest things like what do I want to wear today? Or what do I want to eat for breakfast? Because it is a muscle. It, it does take time to develop. Mm -hmm. It's not something we're used to accessing. This has become the guiding force in my life. I use this for everything from what earrings I put on in the morning to what I'm going to say yes to, to how I'm going to spend my Saturday. And again, it's just getting back in touch with those sensations that give us information. And when you start to do that for the little things, it'll start growing and getting stronger and you'll start to notice it in the bigger areas as well and have it to inform those decisions. So it's really that, does this feel in my body constricted mm -hmm. or does it feel free? And knowing for yourself what constricted and free feels like. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great exercise. And I love the, the idea of starting with something small because those are maybe easier to know, well, oh, I like the way that feels. You know, I, I like the idea of how that feels to go you know, sit in a hot bath versus something else. It allows you to feel the feeling and to know the difference because sometimes we can get confused. You know, I like to have something on my schedule that makes my heart race a little bit, you know? And, and for me, that's like, I have this daring need. I have this need to kind of push myself and 
So I always want something on my schedule that makes my heart pump a little bit. And to me, that heart, I know the difference between like a good heart pumping, like, oh, that's exciting. That's something I'm I'm going to like when I'm doing it. I'm going to like when it's done. I'm going to be happy that I did it. I'm going to have a great feeling of accomplishment or that I did something meaningful, even though it might have been a little scary versus something of dread and worry. And like, that's a very different heart pumping feeling. And to really be able to feel the difference is important. Yes. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that is really important too, is, you know, what feels, again, what feels true isn't always going to feel easy, Mm -hmm. but I love the analogy that Martha Back uses when you have, because a lot of things that we want to do that are true for us are also scary. Yeah. And And we do get that kind of anxious energy, but it's a good kind of energy. And so something that Martha Back has said before that I have found helpful is imagine that you are standing at the top of a cliff and you're getting ready to dive in. It's going to be scary as hell, Mm -hmm. no matter what you're jumping into. Mm -hmm. But if you are jumping towards something that honors your essential self, it's going to feel like you're diving into a cool, refreshing pool of water. It's going to feel so good. Even though it's scary, you know it's going to feel good on the other side. If you are thinking about diving in, it's going to feel like you're diving into sludge if you're just doing something out of obligation or something that's not honoring the truest parts of yourself. And so that's where you'll feel that constriction, that recoiling of your body versus that expansiveness that you can feel on the other side. So it is, it's a dance that you have to do with yourself and you have to really get to know yourself. And so that's why starting, like you said, starting with those little things. But again, there's so much in noticing, like we don't even notice how our bodies feel when we're making decisions. And so if you can just start to do that, just start to notice, or even afterwards, you know, even if you can notice in the moment, but you're not sure how you feel about it, but you can reflect on it later. Here's how I was feeling. There's so much information there. So much, so much. This is so great. You're hitting on so many amazing things. I feel like we could sit here and talk for another hour and not run out of things to talk about. This has been so fantastic. But I want to wind back around to your story because you know, I loved that you shared that and thank you because I do think it helps people hear the contours of other people's path. You know, no one's path is going to look exactly the same, but when you can kind of see some mile markers on other people's paths, you're like, okay, wait, that that looks familiar. That sounds like something, you know, now I know what that is. And so it gives it some some contours to help us. So you were working as a social worker and you decided to make this push towards being a life coach. And all of that happened right during the pandemic. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Things can still happen in the midst of a lockdown. So tell us quickly about uh, your your coaching. You know, Tell us quickly about your life coaching firm that you have now. Have you found success with it? Are you happy that you went through that whole process? And what's it look like right now for you and what you're doing with your clients? Yeah. So yeah, the last year has been wild because like I said, I felt like I got on the train and once I got on the train and I just gave myself permission to ride that one out, there was no getting off. It happened really fast. So I finished training. I launched my business in August. I left my full-time job in September. I had two small kids at home during the pandemic in the middle of all of this. And I just kept coming back to, okay, this is feels a little out of control and a little wild and a little, a whole lot of uncertainty, but I'm just going to keep following. What's the next step? Where's my body leading me next? Mm -hmm. Where is it leading me next? And just kept going. And so, yeah, so now I, you know, I, like I said, I've left my full-time job just to focus on my coaching practice. I have never once (laughs) wished I had done something differently, even now as I'm still walking that uncertain path. So now it's just a different it's all, you know, and I think that's what I've learned so much is just the path is never going to be clear mm-hmm. and I'm just going to keep taking the next step. Mm-hmm. So now I've, I've left my full-time job to focus solely on my coaching practice. And my focus there is working with women and helping them let go of the shoulds, release the need to please, and really reclaim their freedom and joy. So a lot of, you know, that people who are feeling trapped in that social self, people who are exhausted with being all things to all people and are ready to come back home to themselves and to get back in touch with that essential self. And and this does not 
for a lot of my clients mean these big sweeping changes. They just want to be able to um, put the chores aside and play with their kids and stop feeling that should voice that tells them what they should be doing or be able to say no to things or be able to speak up to people. So I have a 12-week one-on-one coaching program that I offer where we touch on fundamental tools that are particularly helpful for people who are just feeling trapped by those shoulds and feel like they've sort of lost themselves somewhere along the way and want to get back to more ease, more joy, more freedom, more of that feeling of that three-year-old who just wants to be carefree and explore things with curiosity. Absolutely. And tell us, where can they find you? Where can they find more information about that 12-week framework that you offer? And then where can they find you online? I think that you have a a goodie on your website that would be really interesting to our listeners. So tell us about that. I do. Yeah. So um, if you go to my website, jenoglesby.com, that's where you can learn more about my coaching program. And I do have a free resource there. So it's seven days, seven ways to let go of the shoulds, unhook from the pressure and welcome enjoy. And so when you sign up for seven days, you'll get a daily email And it just has one bite-sized tip to help you kind of unhook from the things you should do and welcome more joy into your day. And I've really designed this for people who are busy and overwhelmed. So when I say bite-sized, I seriously mean bite-sized. It's like zero to 10 minutes. A lot of it is this noticing piece. So here's what I want you to notice during the day. Here's one small thing you can do during the day, making it as accessible for people as possible. So there's nothing about starting a whole new morning routine or taking a bath every day. Like I, I know who I'm talking to. Um, And I really want this to be as easy as possible because if you can just start doing the little things, like we've said, it starts somewhere and you just have to start with the little things and it will start to unfold. Absolutely. And it will unfold. You're reminding me of one moment during my process. I have this thing where I, I make tea And I kind of make it like a little ritual. And I drink the yogi tea. I don't know if you are familiar with that Mm -hmm. brand or not. The throat coat. You know, I'm a singer. So and they have little phrases on it. And one of them said, uh, peace of mind, P-E-A-C-E, peace of mind comes piece by piece, P-I-E-C-E, piece by piece. And I got that like right at such a perfect moment where I felt like, just like you said, like the pieces were all kind of scattered around me and I just couldn't make sense of them. So Yes, it does take time and you get it piece by piece. And I love that freebie that people can get little bite-sized pieces each day because really that's what you need. You just need a little thing. You don't have time for a whole big rework and a whole big thing. It doesn't have to be that hard. So I definitely encourage people to go to your website. That's jenoglesby.com. And I will link to that in the show notes so they can get right to it. And where else can they find you if they want to follow you like on Instagram or Facebook, social media? Yeah. Yeah. I'm also on Instagram at jenoglesby there as well. Wonderful. Well, Jen, this has been a fantastic conversation, an incredible experience for me to talk to you. I learned a lot and I have definitely taken a lot away from this conversation. I know our listeners will too. So thank you for sharing your story and for sharing all of the tools and talking to us about the tools that you have as a life coach and what that could look like for for our own experience, kind of walking through our journey here. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Becky. It's been such a great pleasure. And I'm so grateful that you're creating space for these conversations. They're so important. And I'm so honored to have been a part of it. Thank you. I would love to hear what you thought of today's show. Did you get something valuable from it? If so, don't keep it a secret. Tell your friends and family. I want everyone to unleash their soul song because the world needs all our beautiful music. I'd also really appreciate if you subscribe to the show on iTunes, rate and review. You may not realize it, but that's the best way to help other people find the show. I hope you'll come visit with me at theintuneexperience.com. While you're there, download your free copy of Intune Insights, designed to inspire you to unleash your soul song. I'd also love to hear from you on Instagram at unleash your soul song. Shoot me a message. Let me know what you think about the show. Tell me what you want to hear about and what you're struggling with so that I can craft shows that provide you with insights, inspiration, and the tools you need to venture on your own personal journey. Listen, this world is busy. 
Our days are really full and life is super distracting. We're pulled in so many different directions every day. And so I thank you for joining me here today. Have a great week. You and me, you and me, he and she, he and she, next door neighbor, stranger down the street. Form a chain, form a chain, grab the clouds, grab the clouds, cause we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. Unleash Your Soul Song is recorded and edited in 426 Studios, the music production company that I co-own. For more information about our music and our services, please visit www.four26studios.com. That's www.four26studios.com.